I am wearing the shirt for a reason. Um, you figured that, didn't you? Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about some things that I hope upset you a little bit, makes you mad a little bit. Um, it's really supposed, it's meant to encourage us into more. And uh, it's going to be a little bit of vision casting today. Uh, I feel like God is taking us somewhere. Last week, Pastor Ted spoke about a fantastic message. And one thing that he said has rang out in my spirit all week long is, is we have to be and need to be a church of breakthrough. And I, and, I, and I started thinking, what does it mean to be a church of breakthrough? What do we have to do to prepare ourselves to be the church of breakthrough? You say, now what does it mean to be a church of breakthrough? I believe if we're going to become a church of breakthrough, then we're going to become a church that people come in here under all kinds of bondage, under all kinds of mess, under all kinds of just wreckage in their life. And before they leave our presence... That they are completely, totally, utterly healed, set free, set up on top, and everything. But I believe that there's some things that has to happen before we can do that. Um, and, and, and a lot of people think, you know, if they uh, do this or do that, um, then, you know, I'm, I'm helping the church out. Folks, let me tell you something. God has put a call on you. If you're here and this has become your home, now whether you get on a membership roll or anything like that, that has nothing to do with this being home. Okay? So let's settle that right off the bat. But if God has called you here and God has placed you here, he's called you here and placed you here for a reason. And you can go anywhere. Y'all know I can go anywhere and preach. I don't have to have a pulpit. I can go anywhere. I get calls all the time, Galen. You know, uh, I could go anywhere and pastor. Uh, you know, there's places all the time that, that, that even still reach out to me. Uh, but the reason why I'm here is I want to see this town, this area, this county, the surrounding counties be everything that God has called them to be. I brought, I moved my entire family, even before my daughter was married, we moved her, her soon-to-be husband here. <laughs> we moved everybody we could move here because we believe in what God is doing right here. And, <laughs> amen. And I believe that we're going to be the breakthrough church that God has called us to be. Now, we're not going to be the only church in the area. All right? When we bless them, let God pour on them everything you need and everything you've got planned for them. But today I'm speaking specifically to harvest. Today I'm speaking specifically to who we are and what we are. But we cannot become the God of breakthrough, be the, 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 the church of breakthrough, and be what God has desired us to be if we only leave it in the hands of a few to get it done. If we leave it in the hands of a few to get it done, we'll never be a church of breakthrough. It can't happen. This is why churches, because they don't see this big explosion they thought was going to happen, and they think, well, let's put the pastor out and bring a new one in. And maybe then it'll happen. But what usually happens 
is when the, because they believed for one person to make the thing happen and make it work, they bring in the next nice, shiny, new one, and they think, now we've got the right mix. And then only to be surprised in a few years when that person is frustrated, that person is just flustered, they're tired, they're burnt out, and it still ain't happening, and we still sit back and we scratch our heads going, why is it not happening? The first pastor wasn't getting it done. We got a new one. Why is it still not happening? Because God never intended for this to be a one-man show. Me as a pastor, I have a job. I know what my job is. And I'm going to do my job. But God never intended for it to be a one-man show. Hence the word. <laughs> Anybody in here know what my favorite sport is? <laughs> Dope. And I played semi-pro football. Still not my favorite. My favorite sport, that's their logo, that's different than what's on my back, too. My favorite sport is rugby. I love rugby. I, I, I mean, football came out of rugby because they wanted a safer sport. It's true. Look it up. And, and, and so, and my favorite team, and that's their logo there, is the New Zealand All Blacks. And they are a team, let me give you some, listen, I, I, I love, I love this team. <laughs> they have a 77% win-loss ratio. That, y'all don't, if you don't you know anything about sports, if you don't know anything, let me tell you, that's amazing. 77% win-loss ratio. Since 1903, in international rugby, they have played 19 different nations. Of those 19 different nations, 11 of them have never beaten them. In international rugby, they have played three different multinational all-star teams. In other words, they've taken the best of all these other nations to play this team. They hold a 37-8 and eight record against multinational all-star teams. I'm talking about a team here. I'm talking about a group that's got it together. Since the beginning of the world, rug in world rugby rankings, they have held the number one ranking in the world more than any other team. And the way they take the field to start a, a test is unreal. Elizabeth, will you kill these lights? Bobby, play this video. Hold on. Watch how they take the field. Haven't lost at this venue since 1986. Only three of this current all-black team were born in 1986. Now the hacker.
save the big hackers for the big test matches. Yes, they do. And now, last week, out of respect for BJ Lahore, we saw Kamate. And that is a Maori war chant. That is the native war chant in, uh, that is a native war chant among Polynesian nations. Now, what would happen is when invading people would come into a, 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 a Polynesian area, a Maori area, they would meet them at the top of a hill. Now, if you know anything about that area, tattoos from head to toe is normal. And this is what would greet every invading army. But do you see how together they were? How in sync they were. Let me tell you, what, <laughs> what they just said was, let me go back to my first gasp of breath. Let my life force return to the earth. It is New Zealand that thunders now. Now, remember last week we started declaring, why not here, why not now? They were saying, it is our time. It is our moment. The passion ignites. This defines us as the All Blacks. And this is our time. This is our moment. The anticipation explodes. Feel the power. Our dominance rises. Our supremacy emerges to be placed on high. And then it goes on to say, silver fern, silver fern, All Blacks, All Blacks. See, this is a team. When I think of a team, when I think these are the guys that I go to because they're successful in what they do. They are going through and they're doing. So what today's message is, and the reason I had this shirt made, is today we're going to say if we're going to be the church of breakthrough, then we're going to have to be Team Harvest. We're going to have to be one with one mind, one set. If we go into battle, we go into battle together. If one of us is struggling, we all struggle together. If one of us is going to war, we're all going to war. And if we are going to win this area, if we're going to see them know the love of Jesus that we know, we're going to have to come together as a team. We're going to have to be. Look what a team is. A team is a group of people. United by one goal. A group of people united by one goal. Driven by one purpose. Sharing one vision. Working together to accomplish one task. <laughs> Unselfish in their pursuit. See, if we're going to see, our only goal is Jesus. Our only goal is that people experience the love of God. Our only goal, our only task, and everything we do from the time our doors open till the time somebody puts a key in a lock is did someone find Jesus today? Did they see a Jesus that no one's ever told them about? Have they known a Christ that no one, do they know that God loves them and nobody else? has ever told them about this God, the real Jesus that loves them no matter what. Look at Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3 from the New Living Translation says, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? 
Can two people walk together? In other words, if we're going to come together as Team Harvest, y'all didn't know that's our logo, right? Okay. If we're going to come together as Team Harvest, then there's one direct. We have to decide today, I'm not here for anything else but taking this church in the direction that God wants it to go in. I'm here to make sure that we are established in this area. In Noble County, Lincoln County, Muskegon County, Guernsey County, that this area knows that Jesus is here. That he is alive, he is, loves them, he cares for them, and he is the answer for everything that has held them, everything that is keeping them in bondage, and this will be the church of breakthrough. But how can two walk together if they don't agree on the direction? There can be no hidden agendas, there can be no personal ambitions. Mm. There can be no separate visions. You know what that's called, Glayland? It's called division. Division. Die means two. It means there's two visions. Look around our country and figure that one out. But not in here. In here, we're going to make a choice. There will not be any more than one vision. And it's sea harvest. We have to agree... <clears throat> that what we do here in this house, that our heart's desire is that this place where God has put us to grow is going to flourish. And if we want God to position us for promotion, then we have to put his agenda first. And if we know that God has placed us here, and I'm not talking about membership role, you know this is where God has put you then today my encouragement to you is get on board. Join the team. And I'm not saying that there won't come a day when you have to move. See, here's what churches do. We get people and we love them and we love them and we love them and God moves them. And then we treat them like they're not ours anymore. We're still on the same team. See, what you might not know about the All Blacks, and which you, may not, you probably don't, is that was the national team. They also have a 20s team. They also have a Maori team, which you have to be of the Maori bloodline to play on. They also have a woman's team. But when you go on the website, guess what it's all called? All Blacks. We've got to realize we're not in competition with anybody. We're not in competition with the church across the street for the church down the road. They're going to get theirs, and God's going to do with them what God needs to do with them. But we're here. We're here now. This is where God has called us. This is where God has planted us. And we are going to make sure that everyone who comes near here experiences a breakthrough church. It's, it becomes too easy, folks, to get settled. It becomes too easy to get comfortable. It becomes too easy to look at things when they're half done. We get relaxed. Well, let's just go to church. It'll probably be pretty good. It's what Sundays are for after all. Folks, if we're going to be a team, then it's going to mean that we might have to give up some of our favorite things.
All blacks have a code of conduct that they have to live by to travel with that team. One of their star players was in an airport, got caught doing some unseemly things. And when it was found out, the coach looked at him and said, don't get on the plane. Why? Because he entered into a separate vision. He wanted to take care of his thing first, satisfy his need. So if that means giving up some favorite things, if that means that we try new things, well, that's not, Bob and I have a running joke. And it is a joke. We, I, some of you I know worry about mine and Bob's relationship after what I talked about a few weeks ago <laughs> of him stabbing me in the back. But we have a running joke when we talk about something. He said, well, that's, never the, that's not the way we've always done it. <laughs> Folks, if we're going to be a church of breakthrough, we have to get rid of the mindset that's the way we've always done it. Because if we keep trying to live by what we've always done, you'll get what you got right now. You'll go no further than where you're at. <laughs> so it may be time to make changes. It may be time to look different, to sound different. It may be time to be in a place that we've never really been before. And it's going to be time to take some leaps of faith. To do some things that, we, that are destined to fail unless God... Folks, it's not faith if I know I can do it. But I believe that God is going to call us to do some things that's destined to fail unless we trust God. Our vision has to be bigger our desire. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take team harvest. It's going to take people who, who, who were like David and they were excited. David said, happy was I when they said to me, let's go into the house. It's going to take people who are excited, who can't wait to get here. I, I tell you, I love Carol and Ernie. Not just because, you know, just because I have to. <laughs> we start praise and worship at eight practice at 8.30. Every Sunday, this team is here at 8.30 in the morning. Some of you are probably rolling over at 8.30. <laughs> it's Sunday. I get it. You work. At about 8.35, that door opens, and I know it's those two. They're excited about being here. They'll sit right there. Ernie will sit down with a coloring book and they'll sit right here and they'll praise while this team practices. If we have to do a song three or four times, I look back and Carol is still sitting there going. She's in. See, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people who says, I can't wait for that door to open. I've got to be in the house of God. I've got to be where God's presence is. I've got to be where the breakthrough's happening. I want to be there. You come by, I came by here yesterday after men's breakfast, and I saw Rachel's car sitting out there. She came out. I said, what are you doing? You cleaned yesterday. She said, oh, I was just praying. She don't wait for the door to be open. She's got a key. You come here, before I get here on Sunday mornings, her car's sitting out there. 
And she's back here in the nursery having herself a time. Why? Because she knows that happy is she when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. See, this is what it's going to take. It's going to take people says, I can't get enough. I have to be a part of what God's doing. And I will knock down somebody to get there. Where, where, are, the, where are they? We're the ones who will come here in the middle of the night and find, beg somebody, please just open the door. I want to pray for a while. We're the hosts and the greeters who will knock each other down to be the first Jesus experience for the person who walks in the door. Not who look at that schedule and go, I got to go shake hands. Where, is it? Where are these people? See, this is what it's going to take to be a team. Go back there again. A team is a group of people. United by, everybody say it, one goal. And that is that everyone that walks in here has a Jesus experience. Driven by one purpose. Sharing one vision. Ugh. Working together to accomplish one task. And they are unselfish in their pursuit. This is what it's going to take for us to be a church of breakthrough. But how do we do it? We become Team Harvest. So today I want to take team and we're going to use this for an acronym. We're going to break each one of these letters down for what we have to start doing to ensure that we are this victorious. The first one is this. And if you're trying to follow me on uh, version, forgive me, I forgot to upload my notes. So... The first thing we're going to have to do is you're going to have to trust. You're going to have to trust. To be this kind of team, you have to trust. We have to start trusting who God has put in the positions he's put them in and believe that God has called them, God has chosen them, and that they are going to do what they are called to do. Because everyone who ministers in any area in this church ministers directly to you. You say, what do you mean? To trust something means that you say, okay, I am relinquishing my doubts and my fears and my reservations about you. You don't have to trust me. This is the part where most pastors have somebody come in and preach this for them. You're going to have to trust me that I'm hearing from God. You're going to have to trust me that I am on my face and in my office. Uh, this ain't a brag, okay? It's not. But you're going to have to trust that I'm here Sometimes 14, 16 hours a day, praying, seeking, saying, God, what's the vision for harvest? What's our next step? What's the place you want us to go? Well, I don't know if I can trust the pastor. Well, then you might be in the wrong house. And guess what? You'll go to another house. You won't trust that one either. You've got to begin to trust. You've got to begin to trust the pastor. You've got to say, I believe that he wants the health of our, our church. I believe that he wants the direction of, he has the direction for our church. God placed me here. You confirmed my placement here when you voted me in. 
You prayed about it, I hope, for those of you that were here back then. You got to trust that God, you heard God. And let me tell you something, I am not going to do everything right. I'm going to make mistakes. And I'm going to do some things wrong. But man, you got to trust that I'm trying. And that I'm listening. And that I'm hearing God. And I'm seeking what God wants to do. You've got to trust your elders. I've got all of them sitting in this room right now. Stand up, guys. You've got to trust that they're called to come alongside me for your spiritual benefit. Thank you, guys. For your spiritual benefit, you got to trust that you can go to them and talk to them. you got to trust that they are coming alongside me for the vision of the church, for the welfare of the church, that they're praying for you. Better be daily, men, women. That they have a direction that they come alongside of me and say, how do we make your vision possible? Governing board, stand up. you got to trust these men and women. We got two not here. Thank you. We've got two of them not here. You got to trust that they're making sure your money's going to the right place. Well, I just don't trust them. You voted for them. <laughs> you voted for them. Somebody nominated them. But you got to trust that they're keeping us legal. You got to trust that they're making sure the money's being spent well, that I'm not going over the top. But you can trust that I'm not. Um, you got to trust them that they're going to take care of the physical needs of this building. That's part of their job. It's in their job description to take care of the physical needs. And that doesn't mean that they have to do the work, but it's their job to make sure the work gets done. And you've got to trust that. And if you see something that's not being done, rather than run out here and complain and grumble and gripe and moan and other words, how about go to them and say, I don't know if you noticed this, but this is wrong. I gave them a challenge at our last governing board meeting to start in one corner of this building and start walking through, marking down things that they see that need fixed, that needs changed, that needs cleaned. Why? Because that's their job. Hmm. But you have to trust them. How do I trust them? First off, you don't go home and talk about them. You don't go home and talk about me. See, I, I'm not afraid to say this stuff. Because I know how it, how it works. <laughs> you don't go home and talk about how you disagree with this or that. It's funny how the people with the most disagreement do nothing to help. Try that over here. It didn't work over there. <laughs> people with the most disagreement do nothing to help. They just like to be loud. Ah. <laughs> Don't be afraid. This is the people that you've picked. How else do you trust somebody? You come to church excited about the way things are going. Didn't say you were agreeing with the way things are going. Because if it was up to you, you would be in one of these positions. Or if, it, but you're not, so. But how do we trust them? How do I show trust for me, trust for the governing board, trust for the elders? 
You come to church excited about the way things are going, knowing that they've heard from God, that we've been praying, that we've been in direction. You've got to trust the children's minister to know that she's doing everything that she can possibly do so that your children are being ministered to. Yeah, but I would do it this way. But you're not the children's minister. So God's not going to give you that vision. Oh, see, now we're real quiet. See, this is why teams have coaches. I've coached every sport. And I've been coached. And you will not make a good coach if you've never been coached. And some people will never make a good leader until they've became a good follower. Well, I don't like the way they're doing it back there. But that's the vision they, and trust that the vision that God's given them, they've already came to me and said, Pastor, this is what I'm feeling. And I said, okay, I feel it. Let's go with it. But what if it fails? Then we try something else. We don't just kick them out because they blew it. Thank God they didn't throw me out the first time I didn't pick up my socks. And let me tell you, they're going to make mistakes. But they're trying. You've got to trust the other volunteers to do their job. You've got to trust that every person who comes in, trust the praise and worship leaders to do the job they're supposed to do, which is to lead us into the presence of God. And not go home and talk about how we hated those songs, and we don't like those songs, and they've repeated those songs 15 times. Right now, I pick all the music, and I send it to Perry to arrange it all. So he controls all these guys and makes sure that they're, everybody's on the same page. Let me tell you, we've got such a fantastic team. Mm. But you've got to trust that somebody's prayed before we pick these songs. Last night, I came down here with a whole different mindset. Perry calls and said, Pastor, I just can't. My ear. I said, fine, stay home. It's more important that you be healthy. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So Dee and I came down here and we sat. Said, all right, Holy Ghost, where are we going? What are we going? I didn't pick today's songs because I liked them. I picked them because that's what he said to do. And we do this every week, week after week. Where are we going? Folks, you have to learn to trust. Go to Numbers. Oh, I hope I can get through this in one. Go to Numbers chapter 16. Everybody say, skip the silly stuff. Numbers chapter 16, verse 2. And they incited a rebellion against Moses, along with 250 other leaders of the community, all prominent members of the, isn't that exactly how it goes? Pastors, there's always somebody who likes to incite rebellion. And they like to bring the prominent ones with them. Mm. Verse 3. And they united against Moses and Aaron, the leaders, and said, you have gone too far. 
The whole community of Israel has been set apart by the Lord. We're all got God in us. You're right. We all do. But everybody's called to a job. Oh. And not everybody's called to the same job. Hmm. And he is with all of us. What right do you have to act as though you are greater than the rest of the Lord's people? And when Mo, look what Moses did. He didn't get mad. And when Moses heard what they were saying, he fell face down on the ground. Jump to verse 11. And the Lord is one with you and your followers and is the Lord one with you and your followers are really revolting against us? For who is Aaron that you should be complaining about him? He said, the Lord is the one. So when they came against their leaders, now listen, I'm not trying to create subservient. I'm just telling, there's a thing that gets forgotten and has been forgotten in the church. He said, listen, you come against Moses and Aaron, the leaders, you're not coming against them. You're actually coming against God. Now, see, here's where it gets real quiet in churches. Ain't nobody going to, ain't nobody trying to boss anybody around. But there is a structure. Mm. Karen is a leader right now. Why do you say right now? She may not want to be next week. I don't know. Of the greeters and the hosts. Well, I'm just going to complain about the way she does things. You're not complaining against her. It's against God. Why? Because she's where she's at because God set her up for that place. Well, I'm going to complain about the way Sydney is doing my kids. You're not complaining against Sydney. It's a revolt against God. Because God put her back there. Oh, come on. It's scripture. I know we don't like to look at it. It makes us mad. Verse 19. Meanwhile, Korah had stirred up the entire community against Moses. So who all was stirred up? Everybody. This is how quick division happens. Against Moses and Aaron... And they all gathered at the tabernacle entrance and the glorious presence of the Lord appeared and the whole community. And look what happens. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, get away from all the people so that I may instantly destroy them. What brought that on? They're grumbling and complaining against the leaders that God had given them. See, we're not looking for people to just be servants and slaves. That's not what this is about. This is about understanding when I go home that God's still listening and still takes account for the things that I'm saying. And in this instance, he said, get away from them. I'll take them all out. But look what a good leader does. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground and said, oh, God, they pleaded you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? 
That's what a leader does. Doesn't take it personally. Just says, God, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray harder for them now because of their revolt. So the first thing we're going to have to do if we're going to be a church of breakthrough is we're going to have to trust. Trust the people in the positions. Trust the leaders that God has given us. Trust the handshakers and the greeters to do their job. Trust the children's workers to do their job. Trust the lawns keepers to do their job. Trust house people to do their job. And we're just going to sit back and say, how can I? Because the next part of a tr after trust is we're going to have to start encouraging people. See, we can't be a team if there's no encouragement. I coached uh, 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 girls volleyball for years. Coached till my daughter went to college on a volleyball scholarship. Then I thought I was done and they drug me back in for a little while longer. And it drove me crazy and I would yell at my bench all the time, do you see what your team just did? Yeah. See, they didn't think they could encourage or clap or cheer if they weren't on the court. And that's what we fall into as a church. We forget to encourage people because they're doing their job. And I just show up on Sunday and Wednesday and I forget that somebody turned the lights on. And I forget that somebody turned the air on because it was 80 degrees in this place last night. And that somebody set the communion out. And that somebody had everything set up and ready. That I had a clean church to come. Somebody did all this stuff. It don't matter. Trust me, there are not church elves. I've been here late at night and I've never seen them. Things don't just happen. And so if we're going to really be a team, we're going to have to start encouraging each other. I don't know how many times I've seen people give up on what they're doing because there was no encouragement. And we as a church are going to do better. I'm giving you vision. If you volunteer in kids' church at all, stand up. How about Harvest House? I'm talking if you're here picking up, unloading, if you show up. <laughs> How about ushers, greeters, handshakers, host? I've already got my, usher, my elders and board. You say, why are you doing that? Did you see how many people stood up more than once? Listen, I am so thankful for you all. I tell people all the time, I am so thankful for Lana Jennings. You say, why? Because I brought a vision of Harvest House here and set out a vision, and she took it and ran. I don't ever have to think about Harvest House. One of our biggest ministries, I don't ever think about it. Why? Because I know she's got it covered. And if something goes wrong, then she'll come track me down, and she does. She'll text me in the middle of the morning. She'll, she'll, I will hear about it, and we'll get it fixed. But you see, that's what we will do. 
And if we're really going to be a team, we're going to have to start noticing what people are doing and thank somebody. See, for those of you who, who partake in communion every week, which you know you can, right? And should. There's an 11-year-old boy who shows up here at 8.30 every Sunday and sets out all this communion. I'm not done. And he usually, after service, cleans it all up, right? He cleans it up, puts it away, and has it ready. 8.30 in the morning. He's living. He would rather be asleep. And you know what he does after that? He goes back here in kids' church, and he doesn't participate as a kid. He has become one of Sydney's biggest helpers. He's actually leading little ones now. See, it doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are. I'm talking about Amy's son, Luke. It doesn't matter how old we are, how young we are. We can all find a place and we can all put it. And I'm telling you, folks, you want to see us get better? See somebody shaking hands. Thank them that they're doing it. Encourage them. Be a part of the encouragement, not part of the complaint session. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Ooh. Hey, sound team, video team, if you do it at all, stand up. Turn around. You thought I forgot about you. And Reese. First Thessalonians chapter 3. Therefore, when we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone and sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to what? Encourage you concerning your faith and to keep you from being shaken by the troubles you're going through, but you know that we're all destined to go through troubles. How do we encourage? Paul wanted Timothy to be an encouragement. And I want you today... If you don't volunteer anywhere, start being encouragement. Yeah, but they didn't do it right. It ain't up to you. They're doing it the way their leader told them to do it. And their leader's doing it the way I told them to do it. But that's not how I would do it. That's not your call. <laughs> start encouraging them. How do I encourage you? Be aware of what people are doing. Start noticing. Give them a pat on the back. Let them know you appreciate them. Well, that's their job. No, it's not. They're serving you. That's not their job. They're doing it because they love God and they're serving God. And by serving God, they're serving you and I. Come on. Listen, we walk in here on Wednesday nights. I never think about that camera back there because I know Elizabeth's here. She's always on it. And when she's not, I get a text a couple days before saying, hey, I'm not going to be around this week. So I'll say, Reese, guess what your job is? 
He says, okay. And he, folks, we got to start taking notice of these. Patricia, how many in here has ever gotten a birthday card, a get well card or something? Well, you're just pointing people out. Then maybe get on board and start doing something. Only pointing out those who are working. Oh. Men's ministry. Ladies' ministry. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Kevin, one of our best yesterday. And you know why they do it? Because they love you. Not because I pushed them into it. Kevin and Bob came to me. You do it. It's on your heart. Run. Hebrews chapter 10. I'm trying, guys. We're going to get there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us consider how to encourage one another in love and what? Oh, that's a dirty word. Good deeds. Not, now, oh, here we go. Not abandoning our own meeting together. King James says, and do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. He says, and not abandoning. Well, I don't need church. I believe churches should be in homes. With who? A bunch of other people. So you're actually getting together with other people. <laughs> Guess what? You're still a church. Whether you do it at home or whether you do it in this building. He says, don't get in the habit of not coming to church as some do. As is the habit of some people. Go ahead, Bob. <clears throat> but encourage one another. This is our job. Encourage one another so much as we see the day drawing near. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 from the Passion. And never let ugly words come from your mouth. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit or take for granted His holy influence on your life. How do you grieve the Holy Spirit? It's by the words that's coming out of your mouth. It's by how you talk about people. How you talk about your leaders. How you talk about what's going on at church. How you want to complain. that It's not done the way I would do it. And never grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums. Keep looking forward. <laughs> Revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another as has God graciously forgiven you then graciously forgive one another to the depths of Christ's love first we're going to have to trust everybody to do their part you're going to have to encourage those who are and the next thing show that picture is we're going to... this is called a line out 
And in a line out, there's a man, this is what happens when the ball goes into touch, which is out of bounds. And he's getting ready to throw a ball in and they line up. And when they throw it in, these men get thrown into the air. And they fight for the ball. But I want you to look how they reached the heights that they've reached. They could have never gotten there if somebody wasn't assisting them. They would have never reached the heights they were meant to reach if there wasn't someone there helping push them up. So if we're going to trust and we're going to encourage them, finally we're going to have to assist. We need some assistance. We look for an area in the church that needs help and say, how can I get involved? What can I do? Some people can't work over at Harvest House. So we've got some folks who do what? They take stuff home, they wash it, they separate it, they put it in bags. They're assisting. They're assisting. Find somewhere to get involved. There's a church that we were associated with a little bit in Canada when we pastored in Canada. When you took membership at that church, part of their membership package was an application to work in ministry. And you didn't take membership unless you volunteered to work somewhere. Because this church is pastored by the man that, that take, has taken over at the time, I don't know if he still is, all the Christian broadcasting in all of Canada. He would preach in Winnipeg on Sunday and fly across the country and preach somewhere else Wednesday, uh, Sunday night. And you know why he could do that? Because there were people checking boxes saying, I'll do this. And I'll, but what if, I, what if I get into something and I fail at it? Then we find somewhere else that you won't fail. We're not throwing anybody off the boat because they can't do the job. We're going to put them somewhere else. But it's going to take assistance. It's not on, going to be on me. I can't do it all. I know what I'm called to do. And I know when I need help. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 13. Overwhelm them with appreciation and what? Love. Get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. This is instructions to the churches, guys. Pastor Dave, this is an instruction to a church. Each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders. I love the message. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. Gently. Everybody say gently. Some of you need to learn that word. Gently encourage. <laughs> gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each person and attentive to individual needs. This is a church of breakthrough because when we got it all together, you know what one of my favorite movies is? Field of Dreams. 
Somebody just said it. Say it again. If you build it, they will come. When we get it right, when we're ready, when we're prepared, they'll come in broken and walk out whole because everybody's doing their part. They'll come in sick and walk out healed when everybody's doing their part. When the pastor's pastoring, the elders are eldering, the board is boarding, the shakers are shaking, the singers are singing, the players are playing, the harvest houses are harvest housing. When everybody's doing their part, man, we're ready. A line out is being there to assist those. They can never reach the height they were supposed to reach without them under. We have a harvest house so has so many volunteers and they need more. But there's so many ushers and greeters, we only get to do it once a month. We need more. Only do it twice a month. And then we're glad because there's somebody meeting new people. And there's somebody being a Jesus experience to somebody that comes in the door. And we show up early. And we leave late. We got a one-man yard crew. Out there getting all suntan. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be a one-man show. Oh, come on. See, now we got real quiet. I got four hand claps, and it's probably from people who have day jobs. Thank God, yeah. <laughs> It shouldn't be all his job. Well, it gets done. Yeah. Every Thursday and every Friday, it gets done in two days. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. I'm trying to encourage you to say we're in this together. Perry, I, I love that guy. He can't sit still to save his life. I don't know what he was like as a child. But it bothered him so bad to not be here this morning. I said, Perry, we can handle this. And my words to him was, we're in this together. They will step up. And boy, did they. I said, they'll handle it. Man, where's that? That faithfulness says, I've got to be there. I've got to be there early. I've got to stay late. I've got to make sure these things are done. I've got to encourage people. I've got to assist. <laughs> Was it John Fogarty? Had the song, Put Me In, Coach? Was it John Fogarty or Dan Cafferty? Okay. He said, put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. That's what we're looking for. 
People say, hey, man, I'm here. Use me. Well, we can only use you once a month. I don't care. Use me once a month. I'll show up early anyhow, and I'll wait to say, did anybody show up? You need me filling anywhere? Luke follows me around this church, 11 years old, follows me around this church and asks me all the time, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I don't know if he's still doing it. I went over there. I know he did today. I went over there today. I said, Cindy, do you all have air? Do you all need air? She said, it's hot in here. I said, okay, I'll go turn it on. Mm -mm. Luke said, I already got it. <laughs> I walked back there just to make sure. Air's blowing, set on 69. Kids are cool over there right now today because somebody got ministered to. Folks, don't you think for a moment that these things go unnoticed. And, I, and I'm making a promise. I'm going to do better to tell you about it too. And this church is going to do better as a whole to encourage and to assist. Time to jump in. The last thing we're going to do with a team is everybody's a minister. Everybody's a minister. I'm not the minister of this church. I'm the pastor of this church. We're all ministers of this church. What does it mean to minister? To, uh, to minister means to attend and to serve. To perform service in any office. For some weird, crazy thing, the church has come to the point where we think to minister means to stand behind this and to preach for 45, 50 minutes. And if y'all's lucky if I'm done that fast today. <laughs> this is not ministry. Pastor Hagen used to tell us all the time, not Brother Hagen. Pastor Hagen used to tell us all the time, you know, you know how you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. Ministry is spelled work. Ministry is spelled somebody's got to put their hand to the plow. And some, see, we, we want harvest to grow. We want harvest to flourish. We want to be a breakthrough place. Then it's time to come on board and help. Because I can't get it done alone. Our elders can't get it done alone. Our greeters and ushers, or whatever they're called, hosts, can't get it done alone. Ted can't get it done alone. Jody can't get it done alone. Come on. It's time. Everybody's a minister. Philippians chapter 2. Abandon every display of selfishness. Just keep looking straight ahead. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interests. And consider the example of that Jesus, the anointed one, set. Let his mindset become your motivation. Well, what was his mindset? His mindset was a lot like Jody's. Who every week, when she's not vacationing somewhere. <laughs> she just got back, so I'm going to tease her. Shows up here on Wednesday... 
whether there's two people or whether there's 10 people or whether there's 15 who hears from God and says, this is the direction we're praying today. So what is that mindset? Mark chapter 10. It's the same mindset that I've seen her pick up. It's the same mindset I've seen a lot of you guys pick up. For the Son of Man, Jesus himself, did not come expecting to be served. This is God himself. Walking the earth did not come expecting anyone to serve him. He did not come expecting to be served by everyone, but to serve everyone and to give his life as a ransom price for the salvation of for the salvation of many. Folks, this is how you build a team. When we trust those to do their job, we're encouraging them in their job. We're starting to assist and saying, hey, I'm, I'm on the game, man. I'm in the game. <laughs> and then we say, we want to minister. We want to be a part of what God is doing. Two more scriptures will go. And if you volunteer somewhere in here and I forgot you, it's because there's a lot of you, and I'm thankful for you. I am thankful for you and for what you do and for who you are. Hebrews chapter 10, or 6, I'm sorry, verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God, the faithful one, is not unfair. How can he forget the beautiful work you have done for him? He remembers the love you demonstrated as you continually serve his beloved ones for the glory of his name. You're not just serving a church. You're serving God's children. And for what you do, he will not forget it. I may... I may forget you. Probably forgot somebody. Are you trying to tell me something? Uh, we, we already talked about Pastor Ted. <laughs> Listen, I'll forget you. I promise I will. Don't be mad. I'm asking you, don't be mad. Don't go talk about me. Believe it or not, I'm human. If you don't believe me, ask Dee. She might tell you. But I tell you this, God doesn't forget. And he sees not how you minister for harvest. He sees how you minister to his children. For his glory. <laughs> Folks, we do this. We trust we encourage, we assist, and we minister. We're a team. Just like when you, I, I, I told people a long time ago, when you got me, you got her. She came with a whole wealth of stuff she does. 
Amen. And here's what happens. Summertime and the living is easy. Everybody gets comfortable. Don't get comfortable. The boat will be there. The kids will be there. Next week, I won't be here. Week after that, I won't be here. I'm just telling you, I, I'm, I am a beach bound, baby. <laughs> Thank you. Because of you all, how you ministered to us, we're taking off. I want you to set attendance records while I'm gone. Don't, don't, don't get slack because I'm not here. Listen, you'll never get a bad word here. I got too many good ministers here. You've got too many good ministers here. Next week, Pastor Glenn's preaching. On the 10th, Pastor Ted's preaching. Last Wednesday, Pastor Dave taught. You will not get a bad word here. Well, I've, I, I've been called to preach. Come talk to me. Come talk to me. Folks, I'm telling you, God has set this place up to be the breakthrough church, and that's what done it for me. This message is what that word you gave last week, to be a breakthrough church. All the pieces are there. We just need all the parts to come together. And when that team of harvest is on its way to being the breakthrough church that God has called it to be. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Father, I thank you for this group of people for being just patient with me while I bring the word that you gave me for them. I thank you that you've called us here, chosen us, and set us up for this place. I thank you that the parts have come together. I thank you that the glory is here. And Father, I thank you that you'll never forget the work that they do, that they are called, they are chosen, and they are ministering to your children, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.